Welcome to this episode of Founded in Tech. I am your host, Mark Eckerly, and today's show is part of our Tech Tips series, where we have special guest host, Gia Rosemarin, who is a tax partner here at Witham. She sat down with Lady McNair, who is a leader in our state and local tax department, to discuss sales tax. On today's episode, they discuss what factors trigger physical or economic nexus, the ramifications of transitioning to a remote work environment, and much more. This episode had a bunch of great insights from Lady and Gia, and I hope you enjoy the conversation. Hi, everyone. We're here to talk about sales tax and what we're seeing in the market. I'm Gia Rosemarin. Very excited to be here today with my colleague, Lady McNair, who leads our sales tax practice. Um, gosh, Lady, what a year 2020 has been between COVID and then you throw on top of that, you know, sales tax and all the new rules. You know, Wayfair came out about, I don't know, even two and a half years at this point. But um, we've certainly seen a lot of attention on sales tax. So what are you seeing? What are we seeing from our clients and, and what's going on in the marketplace? Yeah, thanks. Yeah, hi, everyone. Happy to be here. It's definitely been very interesting last couple of years. Um, when Wayfair case passed in June of 2018, I was on maternity leave, um, came back just because of it. And um, sure enough, it's been probably our busiest last two years. I really didn't expect initially to see so much turnaround and compliant, uh, comply on the compliance side from our clients, but it's definitely been interesting. Um, I would say most of our clients totally embraced the wafer case and, um, and you know, the obligations they came with it. Um, so, you know, what we have seen on our end is a lot of um, um, economic nexus studies, uh, taxability research. We've seen most recently due to COVID, the last six, seven months, a lot of mergers and acquisitions activity. Um, so, you know, sales tax has definitely been no longer the stepchild of all taxes. So in um, priority wise, um, we've definitely climbed up. Every time Jan and I get on our due diligence calls, you know, um, there are 20 other people on the other side just talking about sales tax. So, you know, super, super, um, exciting time not so much for a lot of our clients because obviously the whole imposition of economic nexus has created a lot of headaches for our clients right because it's not just um nexus requirements there's a lot of things that come with that which is you know registrations um doing taxability research of the product and obviously compliance which compliance can be pretty burdensome for our smaller clients yeah, so, so you kind of threw around some terms that maybe some of our listeners aren't familiar with, this this concept of nexus, economic nexus, physical nexus. Can you just, just explain to us what, what does that mean? Yeah, no, I mean, these are all super important terms for sales tax. Um, I love when I get on a call with a couple of my clients or prospects, they know exactly what nexus is. But if you don't know, nexus is actually a connection that a company has with a particular state. And depending on the state and depending on the rules and requirements, the connection is established by having payroll in the state, by having an actual office, um, employees, 1099ers. Um, also, due to Wayfair case, Nexus is established by having just mere sales into that jurisdiction. So if you're a company that has $100,000 of revenue or a couple of hundred of transactions in a particular state, now you have Nexus. So, so is it when and when you talk about revenue in the state, are you talking about you know 
if I ship a good into the state, for example, we have a lot of e-com customers and I know it's based on, you know, where, where it shipped to. That's pretty easy. What if you have right. a SaaS company or a tech company and everything's in the cloud and where is it? How do you yeah. know where the sale is? You know, that is one of the hardest things for our um, clients that are in the SaaS world or digital goods. You know, a lot of our clients um, sell software subscription to a company that have users all over U.S., right? So sourcing the sales is probably one of the hardest part for some of our clients and trying to figure out what portion of the sale goes into a particular jurisdiction and how to quantify it, right? So we generally tell them to use a billing address um, just for the easier to, to you know, have a convenience unless, unless you have really true understanding where all the users are sitting. And generally, I would say most of our clients don't really know where the users are sitting, so therefore they can't really capture that information. So we'll default back to wherever the um, their customers, uh, the billing address and the invoice address is based out of. Yeah, some of these rules came into effect without really thinking about, you know, tech companies and 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 how you actually find that. So I'm sure this has added a lot of complexity with this with this new economic nexus concept. Um, one of the other things we're seeing, and we get this question a lot lately, is as a result of COVID, um, companies now have employees, or or as you call them, 1099ers, or as I refer to them as independent contractors. Um, you know, they're they're all over the country, right? We're, we're yeah. getting examples every day. I had somebody. I'm just going to use an example. I had an employee that was, you know, in New York, and now they're in Florida. What does that mean for Nexus? We're not even going to get into payroll because here right. today we're just focusing on on sales tax Nexus. Right. Um, and, and we're seeing this and we're seeing, you know, I'm there permanently. I'm there temporarily. Um, but what does that mean for, for the sales tax world when we've got employees now all over the country? Yeah. I mean, Florida is a great example, Gia. I have to say a lot of our clients kind of move to Florida temporarily or permanently. Um, it seems like Florida would be the best state to move to under COVID. I actually debated myself <laughs> going there. Um, but Florida is a great example because Florida is not a state that has past economic nexus. So super important for our clients that have already established nexus in every state. And now you have a payroll or a 1099 are going into Florida. So that changes the whole dynamic because despite the economic nexus rules, now you have physical nexus. So you're going to have to start collecting sales tax in the state mm -hmm. should what you're selling in the state is subject to sales tax or not. So Florida is definitely a good example. But really, you know, what that means is if you do have even um, uh, employee that usually, or, you know, or us not usually, but would live in New York or live in New Jersey and move to Florida, that means that physical nexus was created, right? And I have to say on my e-commerce client side, Florida is one of those states in Missouri that they're not registered in because they, both states don't have economic nexus requirements. So super important to focus if you have employees or or contractors or 1099ers moving into Florida due to COVID because it will definitely change your requirements there. Wow, so we really need to think about employees that may want to stay or they may want to come back, something that maybe companies should look at their HR policies because like you just said, and just for clarity, you can have either physical nexus or economic nexus. Right. Either one of those creates nexus. You certainly don't have to have both. So you right. may have 
not, you know, had economic nexus in, in Florida, for example, because they just don't have that concept, but now you have physical nexus there. So certainly, certainly lots to consider there as, as a result of COVID. Um, so if, if I'm listening to this today, you know, gosh, you know, you said this kind of came into effect two years ago. Here we are, it's 2021. I'm a little bit nervous. Um, I have some revenue. I haven't been compliant, maybe I've been, or I've been trying to, maybe I've only been, you know, paying tax. And again, I'm going to use New York as an example. I've only been paying sales tax there. Is it too late for me? What, do, do I need to go back um, and, and you know, am I going to be out of pocket from 2019, 2020? What, what kind of ideas do you have around getting me compliant, going forward, looking back? Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, of course. It's never too late. It's never too late to do the right thing, right? So initially when the Wayfair case passed, uh, some of our clients and, and just companies in general thought it would go away and it would be appealed and go away. So they were hesitant in the beginning to become compliant, but obviously it's here to stay. Economic nexus will not go away. Most likely the states like Florida, Missouri will pass economic nexus law requirements sometimes in the near future. So it's never too late to do the right thing. Um, our approach that we take in, here at Wyndham is we we start with doing a, an actual nexus study, right, to determine where the company has nexus requirements, and then we look to the next steps, which is depending on what type of products or revenue the client has, we look into the taxability of the product, and we also look at the potential exposure. Once we have a good, clear picture of what the potential exposure is, we look into different ways to mitigate that exposure, right? So if, for example, Massachusetts or Washington are a few of the states that we've identified that the company has nexus and, and potential exposure, we probably will recommend doing a voluntary disclosure agreement to help with abatement and penalties and some interest. If, um, a client of a prospect potentially has nexus but doesn't have taxable sales that's a different approach that we take right because there is there is no exposure per se but maybe there is a filing requirement to report gross sales um, if a company has nexus and the potential exposure is pretty insignificant and pretty small then we discuss with our client the approach of potentially registering in that state going forward right um, so there are a lot of different ways that we can approach and provide solutions for our clients but what we have noticed is especially because of covid and a lot of the due diligence that uh, mergers and acquisitions that are going on right now a lot of the work that we did with our clients a couple of years ago, right? It's definitely been so helpful with our current clients as they go through due diligence process. So super important to at least start thinking if you haven't yet about the nexus requirements, even if you started with the nexus study to give you a clear understanding it, where you stand of potential exposure, right? And what that number potentially is. So you can play it internally in regards to the next steps. Um, you know, another big part of this exercise is looking not only the products, but identifying your customers and knowing who your customers are in a sense, do you sell to exempt customers? And perhaps the solution is to require exemption certificate or to have an exemption certificate process in place, right? Uh, another part of this exercise also is that 
we, you know, need to consider, have there been any changes of law in regards to taxability? Um, that's also a big part of, uh, of the exercise. We have a handful of clients that sell food items and products online, and the taxability of those products changes variably in the state. So um, super important to kind of look through all in this little details that doesn't really mean much if you're not in the sales tax world, but it definitely it's important um, to identify exposure or potential sales tax exposure. Yeah, and you brought up things like it would seem to me that first first things first, we identify if the company has nexus. Step two, if the company has nexus, what were the sales in the, into the state? Step three, were those sales taxable? And like you said, you know, some of our clients are D to C, direct to consumer. Some of our clients are B to B, so they may not have to, like you you just said. So it may not, so the picture gets deeper. We dig deeper and deeper and unpeel each of those layers yeah. to really determine taxability. That which is great. Um, one of the questions we do get a lot is, oh, you know, I'm an e-com company. I sell my product on Amazon. Is yeah. Amazon taking care of the sales taxes for me, so I'm good, I'm, I'm okay? Right. Or what, what are you seeing in that regard? Yeah, so uh, that's a great question, Gia. Um, so we do, when we do the Nexus study, part of our review also is identifying the different types of channels, right, of how sales are made. So if a client or a prospect sells through um, Amazon, and we have a lot of our clients in the e-commerce space where they do sell through their online platform, but also they sell through eBay or Amazon, and um, the, the question is, what do I do with the sales? Are these sales taxable to me? And, you know, the answer is most likely not. Why? Why? Because Amazon and eBay and the marketplace facilitators are required in most jurisdictions to collect the sales tax and remit it on your behalf. So what I tell my clients is, you know, to be sure that that's happening, make sure that you get a report from Amazon and eBay. They're supposed to give um, their their uh, companies a report every month to show the sales tax that was collected and where it was collected. So, you know, that's a way to know for sure. And, you know, obviously Amazon has a full dedicated sales tax team. So you sure would hope they're doing things correctly. But just to give our clients a sense of ease, they should get this report from their marketplace facilitators. Um, however, and, and you know, marketplace facilitators really was put in place by for the reason of companies like eBay and Amazon because the states wanted to make sure that sales tax was being collected on these sales that were flowing through the platform, right? Um, however, marketplace facilitator rules is creating a lot of headaches for the small companies that are providing the service because not only they have to be compliant on their sales, but also now they have to start collecting sales tax and remit it on the marketplace facilitator sales. So um, in the way that it works system-wise, they have to be captured separately, independently in, in, in the sales tax software. So it's definitely created a lot of headaches for our smaller client, non-Amazon, non-eBay clients to be compliant. Yeah, so th this has been, you know, super helpful. I know we've only actually even just touched on the surface, but, you know, if somebody wants to reach out, they can certainly go to withems.com for more information. Um, Lee, just high level, what services, what, what specifically can we do to help? Can we help with registrations? Do we do sales tax compliance, so forth? Give us a high level overview of what yeah. your team actually does. 
Yeah, we can do everything when it comes to sales tax. So um, what I like to, or what I proud myself or my, my team to do is we take the process from the beginning to the end. And what I mean by that is we start with the Nexus study, with a taxability review, with a potential exposure analysis, BDAs, registrations, and we also help with implementing software tools to capture the taxability, like Avalara TaxStar, and to make sure that companies are compliant and they start, you know, function on their own. We go from talking to our clients every day, and then once we get them set up and completely fully close the cycle, they do pretty well managing and retaining sales tax after that. Wow. Fantastic. It's uh, certainly been great catching up today. Looking forward to more to come on the sales tax horizon. If anyone has any questions, again, I'm Gia Rose Marin. That was Lady McNair. And you can visit us on Witham.com. And we have a SALT, which is state and local tax landing page. Wonderful speaking to everyone today. Thank you for tuning in. If you liked it and want to hear more, you can follow us and subscribe. And we'll see you next time on Founded in Tech.